0: Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. This is Tom Short. So glad to have you on have you along with me on this Wednesday morning, November twenty fourth, the day before Thanksgiving. I'd like to talk a little bit this morning about history. Do you like history? I sure do. There's so much to learn from it. There's and as has been said, if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. And I say on the more positive side of things, or the way I'd put it, there's three types of people in the world. There's There's fools. Fools do things bad and they never learn. They just keep repeating their mistakes. There's wise people. Wise people make mistakes, but they learn from their mistakes and they don't keep repeating them. And then there's really wise people. And really wise people learn from other people's mistakes. And indeed, we have through that's what history is about. History is to be able to learn what others did well what others did wrong. We, we want to be able to look at the pros and cons. We know no one's perfect, and we know that, that we can always improve. Even the best of people, we are inspired by them. We seek to emulate them, but we're not ignorant of their weaknesses. And the worst of people, we certainly don't want to repeat what they did. And so often, that's the way of the fool. And there are plenty of people in this world who are fools who continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over. They never learn. They're doomed to repeat it. Now the Bible, excuse me, history can be taught in several ways. You can teach history as a history of wars, a history of ideas, a history of economics. Um, You can do the history of art. You can do the history of religion. In the Bible, you have the history of God. And history of God's involvement in the world. In our culture today, in our schools today, it's mostly history is usually taught from a Marxist point of view. That's right, from a Marxist point of view. And it teaches history as the struggle of the oppressed versus the oppressor, or as Marx would have said, the proletariat versus the bourgeois and how the oppressed will rise up to overthrow the oppressor. And This is how it's often taught. This is why in our day, in our age, uh, what we call cultural Marxism, and people who are thought to have been oppressed through time, that, that the focus of what history is all about is how the oppressed people rise up against the oppressor. Now, I'd like to look at history more in terms of the work of God. To me, all of life begins with God. Not just to me, I hope to you. As a matter of fact, with all of us, life begins with God. The Bible is the greatest history book of all time. And it starts with what? In the beginning, God created. That's when history began in terms of history as it relates to us, as what we're concerned about. It began with the creation of the world. The Bible is the history of God's involvement with mankind from starting with the creation, the early chapters of Genesis. We see the Noah's flood, or the first murder, we see the first cities, etc. And then the work of God through this man and his descendants, Abraham. And then finally, in the new covenant, the work of God through Jesus Christ and how God is bringing his kingdom. This is where our history really ought to focus more than anything. Now we look and we, we see that as a center. But in our in our culture today, because there is a revolution going on, as as there's a desire to re re uh, rewrite history, revise history, because there's a desire amongst secularist and cultural Marxists not to look at history in light of the way, uh, in light of the work of God, but to look at it as, again, through the lens of oppression, of oppressors and oppressed. The history of oppression, that's what it's all about. We see it as the history of God, the working of God. And so one big question is, when did our country really get get started? Well, we have some significant dates. 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed across the ocean, and didn't actually land in, in America when it made it to the West Indies. 1607, the first permanent settlement here in America started in Jamestown. That was based on greed, to be honest. It was based on economics. It didn't do very well. It, it was a failing uh, effort. In 1619, the first slaves came to Jamestown, and we have, and you've probably heard about, it's quite controversial, The 1619 Project, what is this? It's a desire to paint the history of America through the eyes of race and racism. 1619 was when the first slaves were brought to America. And the the goal there is to see all of American history through the eyes of racism, that America is a racist country. That's what defines us, that's who we are. That's what the 1619 Project is all about. And dare I say, it's being taught in a lot of our schools, very well may be taught in the public schools where your kids or grandkids are going. The odds are it is, all right? But then we have traditionally thought of our real beginnings with the Pilgrims. Now, the Pilgrims landed in 1620, December of 1620. They made the what's known as the Mayflower Con- Compact. The Mayflower Compact, which actually, by the way, I hope I have my date on this right, the Mayflower Compact was actually signed 401 years ago this past Sunday. We have one person on here, Tracy, her generation, traces her history back 11 generations to a signer of the Mayflower Compact. good friend of mine, Jack Stockdale, traces his lineage, his ancestry back 11 generations to one of his great-great-grandfathers who was a signer of the Mayflower Compact. And, and that's pretty cool. If you can trace your lineage back that far, that's pretty cool, but you know what? They're not alone, because it's now been estimated over 35 million people, over 35 million people are the descendants of those who landed in Plymouth Rock way back there in 1620, 35 million. Now most of them don't know it, so if you know it, you're still in that kind of unique uh, story. But that's a lot of people. They were fruitful. They multiplied. God heard their prayers. God gave them multiple descendants as they had prayed for and as they wanted to come to this land. Why did they come here? Why did they come here? Well, I hope you know the story. They were fleeing religious persecution. They didn't fit in with the... the, 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 the England was, was a Christian nation per se, but they had different understanding of how to apply their Christian faith and how to live their Christian faith and as a consequence they were being persecuted they were being canceled they were at times they'd lose their jobs at times they would they would uh, lose certain privileges that other citizens had and and they fled first to Holland Rotterdam and then and from there they they came and, uh, they were there what 10 15 years and then they decided to come to the new world where their hope was to establish and be able to establish a colony and be able to worship God and to serve God and to love God as they saw fit as they believe from the Bible they got blown off course what a trip that shouldn't have taken you know that that took two months shouldn't have taken half that time they're running low of food their their ship was rickety you wonder how anyone would even get on that thing let alone try and cross the ocean in it um there, it was. They, many more had to be underground, uh, under deck during the time. It was a horrible situation, a terrible suffering. Perseverance to make it, but to them it was important. To they, they endured these difficulties because it was important to them to be in a place where they could worship God and honor God and serve God, serve Jesus, as they felt in their conscience, as they understood Scripture that they should. They were blown off course. They were supposed to land in Virginia, but they ended up up in Massachusetts in December, and it was cold. It was brutal. Indeed, 102 people landed, and of those 102, half of them had died within that first year. It was a brutal time. Before landing, they signed the Mayflower Compact, a brief document, about 200 words, but it was the first basic constitution in the New World, maybe the first constitution ever really written in the modern world. It starts having undertaken this voyage for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. That's why they were very clear. That's why they came. And they came here to establish this colony for that purpose, the advancement of the Christian faith, the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. You can read it. Just look it up, Google it. It's only about 200 words. Won't take you long, but it establishes this basic understanding of how people can operate together. Now it was important because about half the group weren't really part of the pilgrims. They were there as people who, they were called strangers who would work, and many of them were people who had been in trouble, in trouble with the law, and this was their opportunity to have a new life as well, and they came to serve the pilgrims. They came as an opportunity to start a new life, but it was tough, and many, many died. It's in, it is another a significant thing to realize what happened during that first year. When they landed, they embraced a common um, economy, a common life. They basically established a commune. Everybody could get whatever they needed. It was assumed everybody would give it their best effort and everybody would, would be able to take what they needed. But it was a terrible failure. That's why so many people died and starved. Again, it was a harsh weather. and They didn't know much in there. They didn't know how to, how to operate in that weather and that, that uh, climate. And there were, the, 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 the leader of the colony, William Bradford, he wrote about how with, with, not, with this commune lifestyle, the socialism lifestyle we'd call it today, that it really encouraged laziness. And, and some men were lazy and their wives would have to care for other, other husbands that weren't their own husbands and, and it, it was just a mess of an economy. And it didn't work. It failed. There was starvation. Almost, it would have, had God not been with them, it would have failed. But then, the second year, they made a change. They made a change. They instituted the idea of private ownership. They divided up the land where they were, where each person now had a plot. They could farm it, they could develop it, and the proceeds of that land were theirs. They could trade it, but it was theirs. It belonged to them. And they began to prosper. Now, obviously, there's another thing, and that is God sent. Native Americans there to help them understand how to survive in this climate. And those two things were important. Now, what I find interesting here is the people who, who the, the Pilgrims were there for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, but their experiment was failing when they didn't understand an economic principle that is scriptural and that is private property, private ownership. That's why you do not steal and the socialism uh, economy failed, and half of them died. And so, my friends, I want to tell you there are laws of economics, there are laws of life, that even people who mean well, who want to worship God, who love God, who are trying their best to serve God, that if they don't understand and live and discover and live by these basic laws of economics that are given to us in the scripture, that their lives can fail. And so one of my big promises in life, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things should be added to you, Matthew 6, But understanding that that starts with a love for God. We seek God, we love God, we follow God and his righteousness. But as we do, we also discover the principles that God gives us in his word about how to prosper, how to be strong economically. And it wasn't until they, dis- they moved to that second understanding that they did indeed prosper. And have they prospered? You better believe they have. My goodness, look at the nation they founded. this nation, and This nation and, and how it has prospered unlike any in the history of the world. What defines our nation? Are we a nation that are defined by Slavery, racism, oppression—is that what America's all about? Is that what we what? So what you've been about? Is that what our forefathers are all about? If so, we ought to be ashamed of them. We ought to uh, uh, if that if that's what it's all about. That, that's a you know slavery. That's something we would reject. Or was America and should we see America as fa- being founded? Well, of course, we founded in July seventeen seventy six, but are that those early origins? Were we a land? a mission undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith in which freedom and respect for one another and liberty. See, the pilgrims came here for religious freedom. They came here for freedom, religious freedom at the heart of it. And they established freedom to others as well. Are we a nation based on liberty and freedom? Or are we a nation based on slavery? Are we a nation based on the fear of God? Or are we a nation based on greed? Are we a nation based on on uh, on God's kingdom, or are we a nation based on human oppression? It's probably a little bit of both, but let's not forget. I think let's see us as that the pilgrims. That's that's where I'm going. That's who I'm proud of. That's who I'm inspired by. That's who I believe God has honored. And and even though we don't we don't whitewash history, we don't, we don't deny the weaknesses, the failures, the 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 sins of our past, but we also realize what our nation was about, the advancement of for the glory of God and advancement of his kingdom. That's why they came here. Let's keep that up. Let's learn from history. Let's emulate them. My verse, Psalm 44, verse 1. Oh, God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us the work you did in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, then you planted them, you afflicted the peoples, then you spread them abroad. For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and by their own arm they did not, you did, and their own arm did not save them. But your right hand and your arm in the light of your presence, for you favored them. You're my king, O oh God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you we'll push back our adversaries. God worked in those days. He did wonderful things for them. But He's our King too, and He can do wonderful things for us. Father, in heaven, we bless you today. We thank you for our history. We know our history doesn't our history starts in Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We see history as the hand of God. We see it's really it's it's your story. More than anything, history is your story. It's your working through throughout time. It's your bringing people to yourself. it's, it's, It's addressing the rebellion of humanity and establishing a kingdom to bring us back to yourself. It centers on this climax of history where Jesus, you came to establish a kingdom and to reconcile us to the Father. And we confess that we're part of a long line of your work, of people whose lives you've worked in, we're, Christianity didn't start with us. It's been the work of God. The history of God didn't even start with us or even with Jesus. It started way back in Genesis. You've been working and you're at work today. And we thank you, you're saving souls. We thank you, you're, you're you're rescuing us from the rebellion. You're transferring us from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of the beloved son. We thank you today that we're part of a long line of the work of God, overcoming the rebellion. Father, we we do acknowledge that sin has been active. We do acknowledge there has been oppression. We do acknowledge there's been hatred and war and bloodshed and greed. We don't deny that this is the human condition in rebellion against God. But we thank you for those who sought to raise up a nation that would honor God, that would be that would that would uh be for the glory of god and advancement of the christian faith and that's what we pray and father in these days we are engaged in an ideological struggle it spills over into every aspect of culture our education our laws our entertainment everything our families our churches it spills over this 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 vision of building a kingdom this vision of reconciliation to god how we pray father how we pray that we would be engaged in this ideological battle, this battle of ideas, this battle for truth, this battle to squash the the deeds of the flesh and and to destroy the works of the devil and to be establishing and building your ways, not only in eternity, but here on earth as well. We bless you and we love you and we thank you this Thanksgiving season. We thank you for those pilgrims who endured such hardship as they sought freedom and liberty to worship God, we honor that, we value it, we want a new birth of that love for freedom, and the freedom to worship God. A new birth of that in our nation, we pray for, and we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. And Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow morning, Thanksgiving morning, and um, and I. Hope you will join me. Hope you will talk about things to be thankful for on the Thanksgiving day. What a day. What a thing. What an exciting thing to live in a nation that sets aside a day, not primarily to eat turkey. For a lot of people, that's all it is, turkey and football. But what it ought to be, this is a day to give thanks to God. What an honor. What a wonderful thing. What a place to live. God bless you. You have a wonderful day. Walk in the spirit. Be blessed. Be favored by the Lord today. Let his grace fill you and his spirit fill you. Be strong, mighty. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you. Bye-bye.